There were two more murders 15 miles away. Arrived, they found the telephone we have a electricity line described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. You often hear those who knew or were close to a murderer state how they never expected it. These men and women can sometimes be the soccer mom, the hardworking dad, the sweet businesswoman, or the quiet computer nerd. On November 25, 1946, a man named Richard Cottingham was born. This man lived a quiet life, was well-liked at his computer job, and left everyone shocked when they found out he was murdering sex workers in his spare time. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Richard Cottingham was born on November 25, 1946, in the Bronx. He was the first of three children, graduated high school, immediately began working for his father at Metropolitan Life Insurance Company as a computer operator while taking computer classes. He worked there until 1966 when he got a job at Blue Cross Blue Shield Association and got married a few years later. He was a doting father of three children, though recently separated, and was known as a quiet but kind man. He was well-liked by all of his fellow employees and friends until the day he was, to their shock, arrested for murder. It is believed that Richard Cottingham's first victim was a woman named Nancy Vogel in 1967. The mother of two was strangled and left nude in her car in Ridgefield Park three days later. In 1969, Richard was arrested, but not for anything to do with Nancy, instead for drunk driving. He spent 10 days in jail, paid $50, and was on his way. He was arrested again in 1972 for shoplifting. The police were none the wiser that they had a killer sitting in their police station and let him go with a $50 fine. Then, on December 2, 1979, New York firemen responded to a blaze at a hotel near Times Square. When they finally forced their way into the room, they were met with a grisly sight. Lying on the beds were the bodies of two women. Both had their hands and heads removed. They were nowhere to be found and were never located. They had been doused with lighter fluid and set alight before whoever did this to them was able to escape. Their clothing was neatly folded and found in the bathtub, and remarkably, the hotel room was free of bloodstains, fingerprints, or any other evidence. Their bodies showed signs of horrific torture, including cigarette burns, blunt force trauma, and bite marks. Only one victim was able to be identified, Dide Godarzi. This woman was an immigrant from Kuwait and was a known sex worker. Police assumed the other woman had a similar profession. During their investigation, police were able to connect the hotel murders to that of Helen Sykes. Helen, a teen sex worker, had gone missing from Times Square in January of 1979. When her body was found, her head was hanging on by a thread, her legs missing and eventually found a block away. On May 5, 1980, the body of 19-year-old Valerie Ann Street was found in a hotel in New Jersey. Her hands were tightly handcuffed behind her back, covered in bite marks, her nipples almost severed from bites, and traces of tape were found around her mouth. It was determined that she died from asphyxiation. 
Thankfully, the police were able to lift fingerprints off of the handcuffs. This murder, like the first, was linked to another murder that happened in the same motel. Then came the murder of Marianne Carr, found brutally beaten near the hotel, and on May 15th, Jean Rayner was stabbed to death in the historic Seville Hotel. Her breasts had been removed and were sat side by side on the headboard before the bed was set ablaze. Richard Cottingham didn't kill all of his victims. Some found themselves waking up in a hotel room or on the side of the road after being given drugs, raped and sodomized, covered in wounds, but ultimately alive. He derived his pleasure from torture, and whether or not these women survived was not his concern. The bodies that seemed to be piling up were simply the ones where he lost control and the women succumbed to his torture. One of these women, the one who survived, was 18-year-old Leslie Ann Odell, who was picked up by Richard Cottingham on May 22, 1980. The pair checked into the same hotel Valerie Street was found dead in, and Richard offered her a massage. When she rolled onto her stomach, he put a knife to her throat and cuffed her hands behind her back. He began torturing the young girl, nearly biting off one of her nipples. During the torture, he said she had to take it because she deserved to be punished. She began to scream so loud that it could be heard by motel staff. A staff who, due to the bodies being found just 18 days before, were on high alert. They called the police and rushed into the room. Richard attempted to escape, but was apprehended in the hallway. In his possession were handcuffs, a leather gag, two slave collars, a switchblade, pill, and replica pistols. When they searched his home, they found a trophy room filled with personal items from his victims. Officially, Richard Cottingham killed six women, but there have been claims that the number is closer to 85 to 100. Leslie O'Dell was able to survive the attack and would later testify against this monster. He was found guilty of killing Valerie Street, earning himself a sentence of 173 to 197 years. He was found guilty on four additional counts of second-degree murder at subsequent trials. According to Richard Cottingham, he isn't a killer. He simply has a problem with women. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 26th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.